Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 227 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at www.clnsmedia.com. Follow us on Twitter at CLNS Media and Facebook at facebook.com slash CLNS Media. Speaking of the website, the all-new CLNS Media website is launched at clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and over 40 other podcasts and videocasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the brand new CLNS Media website. Please support our network by checking out this episode at clnsmedia.com. That is clnsmedia.com. My pleasure to welcome back Kevin Duffy of MassLive.com, outstanding beat reporter uh, covering the uh, team for MassLive.com. Kevin, uh, the timing of our podcast is absolutely spectacular this week with the news that James Harrison... The, maybe the uh, only, as he uh, po- pointed out on Instagram and on Twitter, uh, he's now joining a team with a player that's actually older than he is. James Harrison, what do you think of him joining uh, the Patriots at the age of 39? Well, uh, it, it is pretty wild, just considering the guys played for the Steelers for 14 out of his 15 NFL seasons. He's just been like, you know, when you think about the Steelers team since Brady came into the league, that's probably one of the guys who you would immediately think of as, as like the face of the franchise. And so surely it's going to be weird for Steelers fans and even Patriots fans to see him in a Patriots uniform. Um, From the standpoint of of how much he'll contribute, uh, I think part of the reason why he might've wanted to come to New England is because he wasn't really getting that chance at age 39 in Pittsburgh. Um, He probably felt a little bit disrespected to have only played 40 snaps for them and to then have been cut. Uh, and I'm sure that he kind of wants to stick it to the Steelers a little bit. So coming here, he's going to have a chance, in my opinion, to play a fair amount. I don't think you're you're looking at him being plugged in as a starter right away, but, I mean, Trax, you and I have watched this team all year. Like, one of the weaknesses I think everyone would agree on is that they don't really have a great pass rush. Uh, They've actually had some trouble even setting the edge against the run, they've really allowed some running backs to get outside in recent games. So that's a position where they they don't have a lot of depth and they are dealing with some injuries too. Kyle Van Noy has been out the past three games. They've relied really on Eric Lee, who was on the Bills practice squad not too long ago, is, is now basically a starter for the Patriots with Van Noy sideline. Right. Uh, Marquise Flowers played a good amount in the uh, last three game against Buffalo. So they don't have a ton of talent there and I think um, anytime someone becomes available late in the year to Bill Belichick's credit he always he's he's not settled with what he has like he's always open to improving the roster even in week 17 so this truly was unexpected for the Patriots but uh, I, I think it, it's a fit for both sides it makes sense. Right, and it's a one-year deal and it's uh, certainly going to be one of those situations where you know, he plays it out this year, and, you know, if things end perfectly, then uh, certainly uh, he'll get another ring, and he might even call it a career. But, you know, I think mm-hmm. when you when you look back at, uh, you know, other teams doing this, certainly Dwight Freeney comes to mind. And, it, and Mike Lombardi pointed this out uh, on Twitter, and I think uh, hat tip to him for pointing this out. 
Freeney was not an insignificant player in that Super Bowl. He was very good, and, uh, you know, right. if the Falcons don't literally choke it away and have some horrific offensive play calling and execution on their next-to-last uh, offensive drive in the fourth quarter and come away with three points, Dwight Freeney is a big reason they would have won that game. So, you know, obviously the Patriots look at that Dwight Freeney situation and say, well, James Harrison is a different type of player. He's very stout, Mm -hmm. short to the ground, but uh, obviously he keeps himself in in, uh, spectacular shape. And, you know, maybe he doesn't, maybe his job isn't to get to the quarterback on every single down. Maybe it's just, like you said, set the edge a little bit better. Yeah, they've just had trouble in that area. Just, uh, you know, I think Eric Lee, is a young player. He's an undrafted rookie. He's shown some flashes. I mean, he had a sack and interception, uh, deflected pass and in his first couple of games. So he's done some nice things, but I think teams have just been able to get to get to the outside a fair amount. Like, um, McCoy was able to do it. Kenyon Drake, uh, Le'Veon Bell had a lot of success. There was a string of probably, I think it was maybe two or three plays in a row where they just really attacked that, that right edge or the offensive, right defensive left edge. So, um, you know, we'll see how much he plays. I don't know what your thoughts on it are. I, I can't, I, I could see him being a, just someone they're going to use situationally. I don't think he's going to play 95% of the snaps, but you never do know. I mean, if, if Van Noy can't get healthy soon and they think Harrison is a better player than Lee, then maybe he does play a, a significant role. Well, I mean, and and you take a look at his playing time this year. He certainly held, you know, he certainly got some gas in the tank this year. He's only played in five games, which is uh, by far and away his fewest. To throwing out his uh, first year in two thousand and two, um, but uh, you know the. Other irony of this is, obviously, he's another Kent State guy. Unfortunately, uh, Julian Edelman can't be on the uh, field with him. But coming out of college, not a lot of people expected much out of James Harrison. Um, but when you when you take a look at what he's been able to do uh, with his physical size um, and you know what he brings to the table, the career he's made for himself, it's I, I would say borderline Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's a good conversation. I don't. I haven't really looked far enough into it, I guess, but it's pretty incredible just to have that, you know, the age. And I know this year, as you said, he's only played five games, 40 defensive snaps. But, I mean, when he was 37, 38, the guy was still one of the more productive players in his position in the league. And and that's not – you can't even equate that to saying, oh, well, Tom Brady was is, is that productive at quarterback. Like, to play defensive end at that age, outside of linebacker, that's a totally different – ball game and it's i mean players just don't last to that you're physically age engaged on every run. single play right not to cut you off but right, right. you're physically yeah. engaged with somebody else on every single snap right right i'm not so i'm not diminishing what a quarterback can do at that kind of age but it's it's totally different because it's just it's it's totally you're relying on you to sustain your athleticism and your strength and that's the reason why guys can't do it at that age because you lose those things but he's He's been able to – I know last year he he told Andrea Kramer of, of NFL Network that he spends $350,000 a year on his body between, like, massages and acupuncture and all that stuff. So, as you said, like, he keeps himself in tip-top shape, and I'm sure because he's hardly played this year, he's probably feeling pretty fresh. So, <laughs> what do you think the conversation is between James Harrison and Alex Guerrero if those two pass? 
Oh man. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if he, I don't know. Watching the videos of Harrison. I mean, this guy's got like, he's got a, I just watched one where he's basically doing like hip thrusts and he has a barbell with maybe 16 plates, 16, 45 pound plates on it. And he's thrusting his, his weight with his hips. I mean, I can't imagine that fits the Guerrero plan. I mean, the Guerrero plan is mostly a, a flexibility and, and all, all the resistance right. bands, yeah, pl- pliability, flexibility, resistance bands, um, a lot of body weight stuff, I imagine. But James Harrison, that guy just moves ridiculous amount of weight for his size and uh, or for his age too. So I think it would be an interesting conversation because you'd have two guys who are really passionate about what they do, and um, you know, with the Guerrero stuff, I would say too that I'm sure some of the players he works with, like Gronk, those guys aren't following exactly what Brady's doing. So it wouldn't make any sense for them to do that. They need to have some level of explosion. They need to have strength. So they can't do the same exact um, Guerrero routine as, as right. TB12, as Tom Brady does. So I'm sure Guerrero, when he works with those guys, if it's, if it's anything beyond massaging them down and loosening up their muscles, I'm sure when he works with them, it's tailored to what their position is. So if he does happen to work with Harrison, you know, I'm sure that Guerrero would admit that James Harrison needs to lift weights. He needs to maintain that strength and explosion. So you think any, th- there was a clause in the contract? Um, hey, James, uh, we, we welcome you to New England, but stay away from uh, a certain trainer that uh, doesn't have an employee card in the uh, locker room? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is, <laughs> I mean, those guys, you know, the players can work with, they can choose to work with him. Uh, yeah, of checks making Right, right. So, and some of them still are. Like Gronkowski, um, I'm sure you saw his uh, press comments he did with us last week. Yeah. He said that he's, he still goes up to TV 12 and he works with Guerrero. So while there is some friction there, clearly, between uh, Belichick and Guerrero, I think the guys who want to continue to work with Alex Guerrero are, are still able to do that. Uh, so uh, while we finish up here on um, the 39-year-old uh, physical freak that is James Harrison, his numbers, his snap counts, uh, and there's always a lot of uh, attention paid to these, and, and you pointed out the perspective we need to keep in mind. He's a, uh, a specialist to begin with, so they're not going to be particularly high. But he's played mm-hmm. only 40 snaps this season in five games. Uh, his high, He had four he had four snaps against the Browns back on September 10th, the season opener. September 24th, two weeks later, he had three. Uh, his third game of the year was October 15th. He played a season-high 15 in that big win for the Steelers over Kansas City. Then he had seven mm-hmm. against the Bengals, and that was on October 22nd. And he's only played in one game since October 22nd, and that was in uh, week 14, uh, December t- uh, 10th, uh, the game, the comeback game on Sunday night against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, and he played mm-hmm. in 11 there. So that's only 40 snaps he's played the entire season. So to your point, he should be very well rested. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, people probably look at that, and assume that he can't play anymore. He, he's, I'm sure he's not quite what he once was, but that also is a product of what the Steelers have at that position. Yes. They have a, a bunch of young guys who are pretty good. So, um, you know, they, they, I mean, Bud Dupree is a pretty good young player. TJ Watts played a lot for them. Uh, those are outside linebackers. Cam Hayward, um, more of a, uh, a defensive end, um, just played pretty well. He's got 10 sacks for him. So they just, they have other guys that, at those spots. Like it's, 
I don't know if, if Harrison's low snap count is totally indicative of his ability or more so a reflection of just what the Steelers had depth-wise at that position. Speaking with Kevin Duffy of MassLive.com, outstanding Patriots reporter covering uh, the team for MassLive.com. Listen up, Hoops fans. Basketball season is back. And now that your favorite hardwood heroes have returned to action, it's time for you to put your fantasy knowledge to the test to win huge cash prizes every night playing one-day fantasy basketball at DraftKings.com. At DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've even got beginner and casual contests. That's where you'll play against people of similar skill level. The best part? You get to draft a new team each day. And drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better? When, of course, winning cold, hard cash doing it, just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into 1000 bucks. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights await only at DraftKings. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play for free with your first deposit for your share of $10,000 in total prizes tonight. Do not wait. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now to choose your lineup, and you can seriously cash in tonight. That is code CLNS, only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Back again with Kevin Duffy, Patriots columnist and reporter for MassLive.com. All right, Kevin, I am so glad you wrote about this today because uh, you might have been on the conference call with uh, Bill Belichick and the coordinators today about uh, the subject is Dion Lewis and why Bill Belichick has not shown a willingness to pay up for free agent running backs. But when is the last time he had a guy like Dion Lewis? I think Dion Lewis, uh, given everything he's been through, and yes, he's been through a lot of uh, leg injuries mm-hmm. and the knee, you know, and knee reconstruction most recently he has uh, been arguably the second most important offensive player on the team this year what do you think second behind are we taking brady out of the yeah we're taking are you saying okay okay yeah Yeah, taking brady out yeah absolutely absolutely i think that there's that to me that it's it's going to be one of the most interesting stories of the offseason because usually when a running back goes into their contract their contract year and they don't have an extension yet in place from the Patriots, that means that they're probably not going to be re-signed. They just don't, they haven't really re-signed those guys in the past. Like um, Stephen Ridley, they let walk. Granted, he had a torn ACL um, in his contract year, which hurt him. Um, ben Jarvis Greenhouse, Danny Woodhead, uh, LeGarrette Blount uh, a couple of times, actually. Um, and he ended up, I think, one of those years re-signing, but it was like a month and a half into free agency. So to me, Okay, so that's the pattern. Like, Belichick doesn't normally pay at that position because he feels like he can find guys who are cheaper and, and basically as productive, if not more productive. The thing is, though, Deion Lewis is better than all those guys, I think, by a significant margin. So the the pattern that we've seen in the past might not apply here because they have a true difference maker in Lewis. And I don't know if it's recency bias or, or what, but, I mean, this the season that he's put together, to me, is – Maybe it's, it's the most impressive by a running back um, since I've been covering the team, which has been the past four years. And I would argue you'd have a 
better historical perspective on this than I would, that maybe it's one of the best seasons that, uh, of a running back that Bill Belichick has ever had in, in New England. I mean, the numbers aren't going to look great by the end of the season, but that's because it took really five or six weeks for him to get integrated and to really get on the field, period. He just wasn't playing the first month of the season. So, I mean, if, if you extrapolate his numbers from week week five through the end of the season, he's on pace for – he would have had like an 1,100-yard rushing season plus what he had receiving. Saturday's 5.2 yards a carry. He's just – I agree with you. I think take Tom Brady out of the equation. He is the second most valuable player on the offense behind Rob Gronkowski. And I believe that they should really strongly consider bringing him back because you let him walk and, you know, like you, I don't, it, you might have to draft somebody and you never know what you get there. You could get an impact player there. But uh, Gillsley – has looked pretty average to me. James White is is what he is. He's good at his role, but he's not someone that you're going to be counting on to carry the ball much on early downs. So I think it's it's really important to have a guy like that. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I have no idea what's going to happen with that, but I think that he's going to get paid fairly well, whether it's by the Patriots or someone else. Well, see, I think when they signed Rex Burkhead, I think that was initially – Dion Lewis insurance like we're gonna let Dion go we're gonna you know mm-hmm. the, the thinking was I think that you know Dion Lewis is probably uh, gonna be let go he's gonna hit the free agent market and we'll save that money elsewhere uh, but then as you said I, I think Dion Lewis's season this year uh, is as good as any running back in a Belichick year all around obviously yeah. um, Corey Dillon had that great year in 2000 and four, uh, and helped the team win a Super Bowl, clock killing Corey Dillon. Um, but that mm-hmm. was a, he, he was a different type of runner. LeGarrette Blunt was a different type of runner. I mean, Kevin Falk, uh, he was more of a third down back. Um, yeah. But I, I don't think they have had this type of explosiveness at the running back position. That's probably the best word for it. And when you take a look at uh, Dion's uh, numbers, uh, just the, you know, the last – Let's go back to the Miami game, the, the uh, home g- winning game, when he had his first career 100-yard game. Uh, that was mm-hmm. on 15 carries. That's 7.47 yards a pop. And in that game, um, he had a receiving touchdown. Uh, he had a rushing touch. Uh, had a rushing touchdown. Um, and then you know you look the last couple of weeks, he's just been dominant and. A the, the ability for the Patriots to put a guy like that on the field to take some of the heat, legitimate threat to take some of the heat off Tom Brady um, is really significant in my eyes. Yeah, I think that – I think I agree with you. When they signed Burkhead, to me that spelled trouble for Lewis. I thought Lewis – I thought there was a chance actually they might try to trade Lewis because yeah, they really had too. an extra body. Right. Uh, yeah, um, and they didn't, they didn't trade him uh, – when the NFL draft rolled around. So that meant at least they were keeping him into training camp. And even, I mean, even during the summer, there were, there were whispers and, and rumors that maybe he would get traded. Um, Burkhead, I think the Patriots like Burkhead a lot. I think Belichick specifically likes him, but the problem is he just, he hasn't proven that he can stay healthy. And I, I know Lewis has dealt with some major injuries in his past, but Burkhead, I mean, this is, this was really his chance this season because he was, buried in Cincinnati he didn't really get much of an opportunity behind Jeremy Hill and Bernard until the end of his career so he comes to New England and he early in the season it looked like he was going to figure prominently into what they do 
Then he goes out early in week two with a ribs injury, out for a month, comes back and looks really good. And actually him and Lewis, I thought, were a great one-two punch together in the backfield. And then goes down with a knee injury a couple of weeks ago that's supposed to keep him out uh, until probably the playoffs. So it's just it's hard to rely on him. Um, I would have a if I were the Patriots, I would have a lot of trouble letting Deion Lewis walk and thinking that you can go in with Rex Burkhead and Mike Gillespie as your top two backs next year. I just don't. I don't, I don't know if will. that's the answer. No. no, and and of course, if they let Lewis walk and they decide to re-sign Burkhead. They might they might end up cutting Gillsley and then drafting somebody else. Like it's not you're not locked into those guys. Like Gillsley, they can get out of Gillsley's contract after this year if they want to. So they're not locked in there. But I, I just I wouldn't you know if I'm betting on a guy Burkhead or Deion Lewis, I just feel much more confident in Deion Lewis. And um, I think that the Patriots have to consider kind of bucking their trend that normally they'll, they'll let a guy like that walk, but. I don't know if that would be the right decision in this case. It's remarkable to me, and I'm I know you did did the research on this, but the uh, in your story, but the he's making 1.2 million dollars this year. He signed a 2-year, 2.6 million dollar contract with the Patriots right. um you know, 2 years ago and you know, I remember that you know when when Deion Lewis went down uh, with that injury against the Redskins and you know, boy, I just thought that the tenor of that season really changed when he went down with the injury. Yeah, that was it. Was the first of there were a few, I think, but that one was a major one because for the same reason I mean, we're that, talking about now. Right, right, yeah. He was, and he was used a little bit differently in 2015, but he was equally equally as effective just it was more so in the past like in in 2015 he averaged 55 receiving yards a game he was really he he was James White White. before James White became that player and he also played on early down so he was a little bit more than what James White gives them and he was just so explosive uh he was I mean he was amazing in the 2015 season and right now he's a little utilized a little differently he's not really a major part of the passing game but I mean, it's. I think we all we kind of um, put him in this box of being a, a a secondary, like a complimentary player because he's smaller. But the fact is, he's. I mean, he's strong. He might be. I know he's. This has been the quote that's been circulating. But he said, um, "What do you say? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm small, but I'm not little." That's yeah. The quote right. That he exactly. Said. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's just like he's like five foot six. So of course he's not going to weigh a lot, but he's got a lot of power in his legs. He's got a pretty big lower body and he runs, he runs pretty hard. I wouldn't, you know, he, he fits as a between the tackles type running back. And then obviously the power helps, but it's true. What separates him from other players is, is his ability to just find those little creases and his vision and his acceleration is amazing. So it's, I think he's just been he's been much better than I thought he would be this year and and I was a guy who I'd always thought he was very good but I mean last, last year he was coming off that knee injury he was a, a solid player but he seemed to lack that explosion that he had in 2015 well he's absolutely recaptured that there's no question about it and uh, as you said before he's one of the most important pieces of the offense this is what Gronkowski said uh, after the game Sunday after the Patriots uh, beat the Bills. He's an unbelievable player. He's a beast for his size. I look up to him. The way he plays, the way he doesn't let people take him down inspires me because I'm like, if that guy can do that, 
Why can't I be able to break tackles like that? So that just shows his inspiration of how hard he plays, how hard he works, a great dude to have on the team. I don't know if you can get a better endorsement. Uh, even 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 Tom Brady's uh, endorsement would not mean to me as much as Rob Gronkowski saying, dude, he is a beast. He inspires me. And I'm sure the Patriots are like, they do their own research, obviously, on whether or not they should re-sign a guy. But when somebody like Gronkowski says, that guy's a beast, and then they see it mm-hmm. on film, look, I don't know about you, I think Deion Lewis will get re-signed by the Patriots. I don't think they let him hit free agency. Yeah, I, I just, I don't think they should, but the see, the thing is now, it's late. Like Lewis took that deal. Yeah, it's late right now, and I don't know if there have been talks of an extension. Um, not sure on that front. But Lewis took that deal in 2015 pretty early. He took it maybe like five or six games into the year, and the Patriots got him at a pretty cheap rate. I mean, it, was not, it really wasn't. Yeah, it was a very team-friendly deal. I don't know if Deion Lewis is going to be willing to do that again because he's 27 years old. You only hit free agency so often. He knows the lifespan of a running back in the NFL is, is only so long. So this is really coming off what, what is, barring injury, going to be a career year for Deion Lewis. This is his opportunity to, to cash in and to make as much as he can as a free agent. And I think if you look at the free agent class, Le'Veon Bell is going to lead the way. There's no question he'll get a big deal from probably Pittsburgh. And then you have, to me, the next tier is Deion Lewis, Jarek McKinnon of Minnesota and Carlos Hyde of the 49ers. And I think personally, maybe I'm biased to cover the past, but I think Lewis is the best player of those three. I could see him getting a deal like Latavius Murray got last year from Minnesota. It was a three years, 15 million. So that's, that's a far cry from what the Patriots had Lewis uh, for in 2015. I don't know if they'll be willing to pay that as I think we both agree though, that they should really think long and hard about it because he's a difference maker. Let's finish up talking about uh, the reason the Patriots head into Week 17 with a bye locked up. Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know a few of our colleagues have written about this. Uh, Phil Perry um, and and Tom Curran wrote about, um, or, you know, certainly have been talking about um, the perhaps the seller's remorse on behalf of some of those in Patriots Nation given what Jimmy Garoppolo has been able to do now uh, on this uh, winning streak for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I mean, it's a significant winning streak for a team that's been brutal all year. Uh, you know, he's won yeah. four straight games. He's 6-0 and as an NFL starter. We know all what he did here in New England um, at the start of the 2016 season, stepping in for Brady till he got hurt. Um, but what do you think about Jimmy Garoppolo and given what he's been able to do uh, so far in four straight wins, did the Patriots get enough for him? Oh man, it's it's a hard conversation because it's just you know at that point, like I don't know if they could have got to me if they could have gotten a first round pick for him at the point in time that they made the trade, they would have gotten a first round pick. I don't, I just don't think right. that that his value that wasn't point, that high. It, it wasn't. Right. At that point, it's just, it, it couldn't have been on the table or else they would have taken the deal. It's not about Belichick. You know, the, the, the story out, has been out there about Belichick doing Garoppolo a solid and, and giving him to a good organization with a good coach. But he, he's going to take what the best deal for his team. So right there before the trade deadline, 
to me, that was that was the best deal they had. Now, was it the best deal they had in the NFL draft if they traded him back in April or May? No, probably not. They probably could have gotten better at that point. But this was this was the risk that they took in keeping him on the roster for the for the beginning of the 2017 season. They knew that there was a chance they would have to move him, and I think that they were so. I don't know if they, they knew he'd be as good as he's been for San Francisco, but clearly they thought he had the potential to be, uh, and not only not the potential, but the ability to be a franchise quarterback for them at some point. So you don't want to let those guys go unless you absolutely have no choice. And the problem for them was they they didn't see any decline in Tom Brady early in the season. And then you're looking at a scenario where you have two options then. You basically, or basically actually three options. One, you could franchise Garoppolo and keep him as Brady's backup through 2018 and then have some succession plan in place for 2019. I think they financially decided that just was not feasible. They couldn't devote $40 million to the quarterback position, especially because $25 million would go to a guy who's not playing and field a competitive roster around them. Two was you trade Brady, which sounds insane. Um, I thought that was on the table. I got to tell not to interrupt you, Kevin. I thought that was on the table legitimately. Right. And, and and I'm sure it, I'm sure they thought about it, but the, but the thing is, okay, the trade deadline is in late October. Brady has been amazing through the first eight weeks of the season. You have the best team in the NFL. You know, you're going to be in the hunt for a Super Bowl. What if you win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady? How are you going to justify trading him the following off season? Like it just, that it, that would just be. I know Belichick has been known to um, make some gutsy moves from time to time, but that that would not have. He, he probably couldn't have done that. I, well, I don't know I'll, how he would have. I'll tell you why he, he couldn't I, have done it, Robert Kraft. Right. That's why he couldn't have done well, it. Yeah, sure, but but could he? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that played a plays a role in it. But even if you take that out of the equation, you know, you win the Super Bowl. Say that they win the Super Bowl, or at least they have a, a fantastic season with Brady, and he doesn't really show much decline at all. I mean, to to trade him and throw in Garoppolo, like you better be really sure Garoppolo is great. And they had six quarters of him. I know they've they've had him in practice and preseason and all that. So, I mean, it just it would have been such a crazy move uh, to have done that. That said, like we could look back in ten years and people could say that that was the thing they should have done. And, and they might say that. I mean, if, if Garoppolo goes on to have a great career for 12 or 14 seasons and Brady only plays two or three more, if that, um, say, say two more, then then people will argue in, in, in retrospect that the Patriots should have traded Brady. And I think that will be become like the the narrative of, of this whole story is that they, they screwed up and they made the wrong choice. I just think at this point in time, um, considering trading Brady is just such a radical move. I, I just don't know if the Patriots would have had the stones to do it. I got to tell you, though, I, the reason I would have said Tom Brady, you could trade Tom Brady, certainly there's precedence for it, not that Bel- Belichick would need precedence of any kind, um, if anything, mm-hmm. just the opposite. But, you know, I've always thought Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo, very similar to... Um, Joe Montana, Steve Young. 
And I really, okay. really do believe that. And I think Garoppolo, given the chance uh, to really uh, learn under a system here in New England, the way he's been able to, is very similar to what Steve Young was able to do for the first two years. He was with the 49ers and under uh, Joe Montana. And, you know, you put now Garoppolo in a situation with a guy like Kyle Shanahan, and it's gold. i got to tell you, though, there's no way Jimmy Garoppolo is doing what he's doing with the Cleveland Browns in the Browns' current no. state of mind. There's yeah, no that's way. True. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true of most players. I don't know if there are any, like, maybe Aaron Rodgers is a player who could have success almost anywhere he plays at quarterback, but I think it's true of most QBs that, you need the skill set, which Garoppolo clearly has, and you also need to be in a in a favorable system and a place that puts you in position to succeed. So I think it's a great, it's obviously a great partnership for him out there, and it looks like he's gonna he's well on his way to having a fantastic career. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Stay with CLNS all day on game day, starting with the CLNS Media. New England Patriots pregame show with Alex Barth, a half hour before every game. Then you can catch the postgame show with Marvin Ezon and Mike Molino live after every single game on clnsmedia.com. Subscribe to both on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube now. Also, get daily team updates on the Patriots newsfeed podcast with Tyler Trudeau, which is also available on the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show feed. Available again on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and the CLNS Media mobile app. Speaking of CLNSmedia.com, the all-new CLNS Media website has launched. CLNSmedia.com is now the home of this podcast and over 40 other podcasts and videocasts in the world of sports, finance, comedy, and lifestyles. We are so excited to have our show featured on the new CLNS Media website. Support our network by checking out this episode clnsmedia.com all right be sure to follow kevin duffy uh, kevin uh, before we let you go how can people follow you on social media all right uh so twitter's kevin r duffy and then all my my articles and all the all that good stuff the videos on masslive.com uh masslive.com slash patriots and then i also i'm on facebook at uh kevin r duffy mass live so i think that's it i don't have instagram i don't i, I try you're to limit out, it to Kevin. just those two uh, you out. got instagram tracks yeah, i didn't, tracks know, I didn't know you had it tracks and the number tracks one. one yeah somebody else okay. apparently already had tracks so i had oh, to go with tracks, tracks one that sucks you do have the best twitter handle of all of us yeah it's it's, it's, it's pretty by, easy. by far the best twitter handle that any patriots beat writer has i appreciate that it's uh <laughs> Uh, it, it pays to get in on the act early, and I was uh, in relatively early, like two years in, to Twitter. Thanks again for downloading today's Patriots Beat. We want to once again thank our excellent guest, Kevin Duffy from MassLive.com. You can also give us a follow at Patriots underscore Beat and seal at CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow, which Kevin Duffy just graciously mentioned, at Trags. <laughs> T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor was DraftKings. For Patriots content manager Mike Alonghi, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat podcast powered by CLNS Media. 
What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher. And the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.